Welcome to Avid Watchers. I'm Mary-Kate Cheetah. I'm Adam Nix. And today we are going to be discussing the film's Green Room and Two Weeks Notice. Very different films. Yes, I don't think you can get more opposite in movies. Um, I picked The Green Room for MK to watch a movie that she hasn't seen, and MK picked Two Weeks Notice for me to watch a movie I haven't seen. So we're going to go from a really intense horror movie uh, to a very goofy and, well, a goofy (laughs) (laughs) rom-com. Yep, yep, that's for sure. Um... So we are going to start with Green Room because it is a little heavier of a film, you could say. trying to end on a high note here. So (laughs) let's start with the the heavy-duty stuff and then move from there. Um, Green Room was directed by Jeremy Solner and stars Anton Yelchin and Patrick Stewart. Uh, The movie itself came out in 2015, um, and at least from my perspective, uh, is really one of my favorite movies uh of the last decade um in terms of horror i absolutely loved it when i watched it and i just rewatched it today and was still absolutely amazed by it um the movie itself focuses in on a uh heavy metal band who is kind of down on their luck they had a gig kind of fall through uh and they end up going to a bar that is basically run by not only drug dealers but uh neo-nazis uh and everything just hits the fan very quickly in this movie uh it's a movie of tension um of basically uh being in a situation that feels almost impossible to get out of um and the tension of the movie is just so incredible through the whole movie uh mk what were your kind of original thoughts after you finished this or as you were watching it before we really dive into the plot and everything yeah, so um, I knew a fair amount about this movie. I mean, like, I knew, like, the plot um, because you told me, you've told me about it before. And um, so I was basically, anxiety levels were high, were high from the start because I knew what was going to happen. Like, I knew, like, that this band was going to, like, witness a murder and then they were going to be, like, you know, under attack. So, like, <laughs> they just seemed like, this like I don't know like I grew to like like them pretty quickly and I was just so scared for them like I knew that like they were their lives were going to be changed forever I didn't know they were all gonna <laughs> maybe not survive but anyways we'll get to that. <laughs> um but I so I was kind of like anxious in the start but I just thought it was it was very well done, and I i don't know. I just love that – I've mentioned this in other – I think I mentioned this on The Invisible Man, but I love how horror movies are short and sweet. Like, like they're like an hour and 30 minutes, and they know what they're doing, and they hit all the steps they need to hit, and there's no waste of time. And this movie is definitely that. And I it, it's heavy. It's a heavy movie, but it was very impressive to me, and I thought the performances were really great. Um, especially Anton Yelchin as Pat. He's kind of the center of the film, I would say. And I thought that his performance was really impressive. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess let's leave it at that and we can kind of run through the movie itself. Um, Just kind of highlight the points that really stuck out to us and talk about why this movie is so fantastic. Uh, I think 
And I was worried when um, I recommended this for you to watch because it is a really intense movie. Like there are some really Mm -hmm. gory scenes. There's some really heavy material in it. um, And it's so it feels so like grounded in a way that's really disturbing. Um, So I'm glad to hear you liked it because I think it is like almost like a challenging movie to watch at some points. Um. So yeah, I mean, as we said before, uh, band members have a gig fall through, and the person that kind of had their gig fall through uh, recommends his cousin's uh, the bar that he kind of works at, um, and he says, "Hey, this will pay pretty well. Um, they're kind of like uh, farther right, so you know, play the heavier stuff and maybe don't talk politics." And this guy decides yeah. not to mention that when he says farther right, he means neo-Nazi. Um, but, you know, just like the the, the Detail. details. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, these, this band kind of, they, they drive over there. And the whole time you're really kind of getting an idea of who these uh, these characters are. They're like really goofy, kind of like, um, I don't know, they make like dumb fart jokes and stuff. Like they don't have <laughs> any money. They all share a cell phone. Um, yeah. It's, uh, they they're, siphon they're gas really, from other cars yeah yeah when they run out of gas they siphon it from other cars which ends up being really important to the plot actually yeah um so they go to this bar uh and they immediately realize that this is not a place you want to be right so they go into the green room which uh the green room is really like the prep room for a band before they go on stage um yeah and they're talking like hey guys like these are obviously like near nazis like these people are not the people you want to be hanging around with and Anton Yelchin's character, Pat, comes without, up with the idea to sing a song as the first song in their set. And yeah. I mean, I'm actually not familiar. Like, I don't know anything about, like, heavy metal. So No, I uh, know absolutely nothing. <laughs> but that first song is really... Nazi fucks uh, is basically the only <laughs> lyrics. And they That's yell a real song. I think it is, yeah. Nazi fucks! Nazi fucks! Nazi fucks! Nazi fucks! Thank you. That was a cover. But they go on and like they kind of impromptu sing this song on the stage. And right before they do it, Anton Yelchin, his character is like, wait, guys, uh, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't do this. Like, it's great that they do. Like, I cannot believe it. So the only girl in the group. Um, Aaliyah Shawkat is the actress's name, but her character's name is Sam. She says something to him like, "Like, don't pussy out now, or something. Right. <laughs> like, we have to uh, do this." We said in the song. The song is uh, "Nazi Punks Fuck Off" by Dead Kennedys. And I think it's okay. a pretty famous song. But again, I am so outside the heavy metal world. Like, just doing my best here. <laughs> so this scene specifically, I did want to kind of um, sit on it for a moment because they do it the movie does a really good job of jumping between like this really heavy material and actually relatively like beautiful cinematography where i mean they have this moment where you're not listening to the heavy metal anymore a more relaxing kind of music plays in the background and it kind of just focuses in on anton yelchin and a couple other characters as they're playing this music uh, and they're so happy yeah yeah well yeah and they're so into it and right Mm -hmm. before this the band did an interview where um or anton yelchin i keep forgetting pat um uh is basically saying like we don't have social media we don't like we don't have a lot really a digital presence because we love like playing music live 
we love mm-hmm. like that moment and that moment is gone afterwards they're so like pretentious they but are. i kind of yeah. like it it is this kind of like it's this thing where it's like oh I, like i like that idea but it's also like all right calm down man like yeah <laughs> um and in that interview we should know that they have this moment where they all talk about their uh yeah. um desert island bands uh who they if they were on a desert island with one band that they could listen to who would it be um and they really all name like kind of what they should name you know like like right. heavy heavy metal like bands that they like yeah or, you know like something interesting but uh pat uh doesn't know doesn't he doesn't know who to name and that kind of comes yeah, back around a few it. times through the movie yeah um but yeah that i thought that scene was really good even though th- what they talked about in that moment I think it's partially true and also like pretentious and is kind of showing how I don't know how these people are so out of their like We're out so of their world for the rest of the movie, you know? They're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With like the the one dude's got like a a tattoo of like uh like an anarchist tattoo on his <laughs> neck and stuff like that. Like it's it's all like kind of saying like all right these guys are kind of full of shit but i mean pat and all of them are they're good people right like (laughs) they're good people yeah they're kind of full of shit but but i like them (laughs) so they Uh, play this concert and mm -hmm. then everything kind of goes wrong afterwards they're on their way out um sam who's played by Leah shockett uh well known from uh arrested development uh, says, oh, I forgot my phone. Can you go grab it? Uh, Pat goes back to the green room to grab it. And there's a woman on the ground with a uh, a knife in her head and she's dead. And this is kind of where you're like, okay, <laughs> I see where this Shit. movie is going. Right. I knew. That, oh, God, it was so scary. Like, I knew that it was going to get bad really fast. But the the guy who was, like, in charge, like, he seemed like he was, like, the manager there at the venue. He seemed, like, very normal. And, like, I trustworthy even though like i knew he was shady and he was gonna do shady things like if i was them like i would have trusted him like he just seemed like he was like don't worry like i'm gonna like the cops are coming like i just i don't know like i was very easily manipulated by him like he seemed normal to me right and you kind of see that you know once we introduce patrick stewart's character like you see what these people are good at especially the people at the top of what is basically a cult here you know like yeah it's like they know how to manipulate people they they know the situation they're in they they understand what they're gonna have to do to deal with this uh pat and his band they're not supposed to be in the situation they don't know how to handle this kind of thing the first note i have which is i think it just kind of like i was i didn't really have much to say before this point because kind of like when the act the action started but um the cops so the cops do come. So like Pat like calls the police and he's like, there's been a stabbing. And so then basically they make him hang up. But then the 911 operator calls his phone or I guess it's technically Sam's phone back. And um, the manager at the venue picks it up and he's like, yeah, there was a stabbing. Like, sorry, we got cut off. Like, here's our address. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's weird that he's like giving them the address and saying there was like admitting there was a stabbing and stuff and then he kind of just like jumps into action and he's like we need two true believers and like i need like this much money and like blah 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 and then there's these two like weird like were they twins (laughs) like i don't know i don't know (laughs) they like showed up and they like started stabbing each other and i was like oh shit like and it's like it's not totally staging the stabbing 
Right. And it's like they, they both like they pump each other up and then like one of them stabs the other, you know, and it's like who is stabbing yeah. who here? And they walk away. Was that was Patrick Stewart the one that instigated that or was that someone else? I think he shows up after that happens. I think yeah, he shows up after that. So that's that's yeah. kind of wild that like yeah that's not even like the I mean maybe that that was the head haunch like Darcy who was played by Patrick Stewart maybe he told these other guys to set that up but I mean they go into action so quickly to start planning this. I thought it was scary how like prepared they all seemed like they were like it was run of the mill kind of in a way like it was like worst case scenario but it was like they were prepared for it like right. they knew exactly what needed to happen and that was like chilling to me. <laughs> They were just so, like, okay, yep, yeah, they're all going to die, and here's how, and blah, blah, blah. So they basically tell the band to stay in the green room, right? They're like, all right, you guys stay here, and we're going we're gonna to figure this out. No issues. Like, it's just like a miscommunication. Everybody's like, what the fuck? Like, what are you talking about? Um, mm-hmm. They do this stabbing thing, and then the police come, take the kids away so that they're off the hook for the police call. And right. then Darcy, the head man of this whole operation, the guy who owns the bar, um comes in and that's patrick stewart um and he is just like he's so calm like about everything he's he knows he's in a a bad situation like this isn't what was supposed to happen uh he's gonna have to cover this up but you know he calls these people like certain people idiots and then he has these other people that are so loyal to him it's like really terrifying um, yeah and he for the rest of the movie from here on out he is running the show he is planning everything he's telling everybody what to do and he's absolutely terrifying through the whole thing yeah it's so interesting because i feel like a lot of the nazis that you see in the film are like exactly how you would picture them to be You'd be like oh people like that they're just like super stupid and like they're just like psycho idiots <laughs> <laughs> and it's people like him that like a lot of people don't want to admit exist where it's like this intelligent put together person who could just like totally manipulate you and you would have no idea that that was what they were like and just like this very polished like business owner <laughs> who can right. just like talk his way out of anything and like that's just some something that we don't like to imagine is real it's it's scary yeah he is like he is this leader that knows how to manipulate people but the other thing that i think i think is a is a positive to what the movie was trying to get across is like yeah he might be that person but like his manipulation only goes so far you see certain people there that are trying to escape what is basically a cult right multiple characters um you have other people who are um are just like really dumb (laughs) you know like (laughs) i forgot to lock the door is one of the biggest reasons all this happened or like um some of the guys that are running in there with guns and they're just like they don't know what they're doing um they're just following a charismatic leader um i think it was interesting i when uh darcy decides to kind of shut everything down um i can't remember the exact quote here but he says something along the lines of um you know, we're not here for the fun. We're here. We're we're like here for a mission. You know, or like like we have meaning. Like he he has he has all these people here. Yeah, for a bar, but it's all a cover for for basically what he considers this like greater cause of just like awful right. you know, Nazism. Um, yeah, and I think it really um, nails it down like how 
awful of a person this is and how awful the people are around them here. Mm -hmm. I think I'm definitely going to need you to explain a couple things. (laughs) Um, It kind of just like happened really fast and I didn't go back and figure it out because I was kind of like, Adam will just explain this to me. Um, (laughs) One of my favorite things about this movie is like, I think there was stuff I missed the first time through with just how like subtle some of the subplots are here. Like, Mm -hmm. there's so much going on in this movie, but it's, like, said in just, like, a few sentences. I know. So, I guess, I mean, things kind of go back and forth, but, uh, but, um, uh, I think the next kind of big scene here is, uh, Darcy tells Pat and and the rest of the band members that, um, hey, like, uh, I'm gonna have this guy hand hand over his gun to you, because, like, we trust you guys, and once you have this gun, we can figure this out. Um, and they very, they, I don't know, they, they don't very quickly figure it out, but the band members like slowly realize that like he's setting them up, uh, to somehow murder them. Um, and this next big scene is basically, uh, after they take out this guy that is, uh, kind of watching over them in the green room, Mm -hmm. they have a couch in front of them in the green room and everything as well to kind of in front of the door to like guard them. Um, and they're Mm -hmm. like, all right, what do we do next? And, Darcy says, look, how about this? I'll give you a cell phone if you give me the gun. Okay, so let's swap here. And Pat decides, okay, let's do this. The band agrees to do it. And he puts his arm through the door with the gun in it to hand it over. And I feel like this, I mean, there is obviously the murder and everything, but this is uh-huh. so unexpected. And I mean, as yeah. since I've seen this movie already, I knew this was coming and like, he puts his arm through that door and um, one of the girls there that was there when the murder actually happened, a friend of the girl that got murdered, she knows these people uh, and she knows that when she looks under in through the vent and she sees red laces on one of the people's feet, she realizes that the red laced oh. people are here and she knows that they're they're here to murder them because this is the high, That's what that was. Like, okay. high level like secret yeah. I don't know society yeah. of these people. So she says, you got to get pull your arm back. These people start cutting up uh, Pat's arm to get the gun out. Um, and they do. They get the gun out, and then uh, Pat takes his arm back, and it is just torn apart. It is oh my disgusting. God, it's so, uh, so horrible. It is so awful to look at. Uh, and Ugh. even when I saw it coming, it was just really, really challenging to watch. I thought his hand was, like, fully amputated, amputated at first. I mean, it was barely hanging on. Yeah, um, it, was, it was gruesome. So... That was like, I mean, I feel like that's kind of a revealing moment of what you're going to have to deal with in this movie. And there there are a few other moments specifically that are pretty gory. Um, but I think maybe this is a good time to say, like, what do you think of, like, I mean, that kind of scene? And then a little bit later, they um, once they realize what's going on, they end up having to murder the guy that's in the room with them. One of the guys, like... Well, I don't... I, I think that Reese who is played by Joe Cole. Um, he's kind of the one who is like, if he's in fight or flight, he's in fight. Like He's in fight mode. He's going to fight his way out of there. <laughs> and right. he kind of doesn't care about anyone else around him. He's just like, I'm going to like survive this because I'm going to fight it. So he like starts choking out the big guy that's in the room with them. But I think that he was, he was saying that he just wanted to like have him knocked out. Right, but I then I was wondering that too. Like, I, thought I thought that, that he just—I don't think he then... was trying to kill him. 
And then Amber, who is the girl whose friend was just murdered, she just like slices him, slices his stomach open with the See, like, box I thought, cutter. I, w- I thought at first that they were just trying to knock him out, but then I thought that maybe they knew what they were doing because they're like, how do we know if he's alive or something? And then she just does that. And that is another scene where it's like, I forgot about that scene. And I was like, oh my gosh, because I thought the arm scene was the only thing I was going to have to deal with for a little bit here. And then all of a sudden, it's just like a close-up of her like cutting this guy's stomach open. And I'm like, holy shit, what? Yeah. Oh my it's God. Just, yeah, it was, it was rough. Rough to watch. Well, parallel to this happening where they're really trying to figure out what to do while they're stuck in the green room, you start slowly getting an inkling for what uh darcy and the rest of the his uh minions have planned um he talks to basically his accountant of sorts there to uh get them and they don't say what them are but they're like um they end up being dogs uh they say like Mm -hmm. oh get all these dogs um uh you might lose some tonight and we'll like make sure that you're um that we'll we'll pay you accordingly for that and this and that he uh he promotes one of his people saying like this is when you're really gonna have to like show us that you're you're worth it and everything right Um, and he gets a lot of these people with the red laces to help him out here one of the people with the red laces is actually the cousin of the guy that originally sent the band members there and he's got something going on here where uh we're not really sure what it is but it's something to do with with his girlfriend um which i think at this point we would we don't even know who his girlfriend is but we later find out that his girlfriend is the girl that was murdered uh at the beginning of the movie um Mm -hmm. So all this stuff is happening while uh, Pat and the rest of the band members are sitting in the room just figuring out what the hell is going on. Like, What are we, what are we going to do here? And they start smashing a floor underneath them um, to get to a basically a room below. Um, once they get to the room, they find out that it's filled with heroin, um, that this is a drug business as well as just a neo-Nazi bar. Um, yep. But there's no way out in the basement there either. It's They're like stuck. a bunker. Yeah. Um, did a... I mean, what do you think of the, I guess, the parallels here where there's this whole kind of plot happening in the room, but outside of that, like, there was so much going on that sometimes it's kind of challenging to follow with, like, all the neo-Nazis and everything that yeah. they're planning. And they're vague on purpose, I think, but uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting. So the one thing that I wanted, well, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was there was a conversation between Darcy and the owner, or, like, Darcy and the, like, manager, I'll just call him. <laughs> of the venue and it seemed like Darcy was like I he's like I would have preferred that you would have just like turned in the guy who stabbed the girl but you already started this like cover-up so I have to finish it right is that way the in the impression that you got as well yeah it was uh so I was still kind of trying to figure out why the guy murdered him in the first place and Darcy said something along the lines of you never visited him in prison. I don't even know who he was talking about there, but it sounded like there was someone in prison that he never visited. And Darcy was like, like basically you could have handled this differently or you could have done something to make sure that this didn't happen in the first place. Wait, so who didn't visit who in prison? That's, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Okay. <laughs> I, couldn't... I have no idea why that guy stabbed the girl. We don't, we never really know that. Do we? Oh no, we do. It's because oh. one of them found out that he was probably she was probably running away. Okay. Which is, you know, the cousin. Um Yes. He was dating her. His name right now. Yeah, he was running away with her. 
Um, so this guy that stabbed her found out um, that she was going to try and basically run. Um, and that's why the murder actually happened in the first place. Okay. But Darcy and all these other people, I mean, they didn't want this to happen in the first place. And they're trying to like clean up this mess through absolutely awful means. Um, you know, because right. they, they don't want anybody looking at their bar because they're, they're dealing heroin. Um, you know, like they're like a neo-Nazi bar. They've got all this stuff going on. Right. Um, yeah. So Emily and Daniel. Emily is the girl that was killed, and Daniel is the cousin of the first guy that we met who, who got them a bad gig. And Daniel and Emily were planning on running away from this, like, neo-Nazi cult. And there was a baseball bat in in his trunk. And... I was completely lost on what this was supposed to mean. Do you so, know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, kind of down the line, Darcy finds out that uh, these two were trying to escape and he had a baseball bat in the trunk. I think what was happening here is, and they kind of leave it up for your interpretation a little bit, but these two were going to get out of this place, right? And escape and run away. And he had this bat, which was evidence to some kind of crime. Okay. Yeah, and I think it was a crime that was almost like initiation as well. Um, okay. But they they didn't explain it completely, and I think they it, I don't think it matters to know exactly how it happened, but just knowing that these two were not only going to escape, but um, basically tell the police or tell people what was going on here. Okay. Yeah. And so that's why Darcy, when he found that, he's like, you know, like this is actually good that all this happened because, um. Otherwise, these two would have gotten away and told on us, basically. Okay, that is what my guess was, but I was kind of unclear on it. So we kind of jumped ahead a little bit. Right. So basically, they're like, we have to run. Like, we can't stay in this room anymore. And it's funny because in that moment, they're all like, what's your real desert island (laughs) band? Because we all know we were bullshitting back there. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's so good because I mean they say stuff like, uh, um, I think Sam says Simon and Garfunkel. One of the guys sticks with Misfits. The other guy says Prince instead of whatever Prince. he said before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, Amber, who was never in the conversation originally, is like, "What the hell is going on here? Like, are we gonna go?" But as she's walking over with like the box cutter in her hand, she says, "Madonna and Slayer." <laughs> <laughs> It's like so good. There's a lot of Love really it. awesome lines from her. Another one is um yeah earlier when the power went out at one point and they were basically holding one of the guys hostage. She takes out a cigarette and lights it, gives it to the guy, and she tells them if the cherry does something that you don't like, shoot. Uh, <laughs> she's just like so good with these one liners. She's so like, cool. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's funny because like Pat still can't give it a real answer. He just clams up again. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically they all exit the room and there's like nobody around and like instantly they and the audience are like, this is a trap. Like they, they knew that they were like, basically (laughs) they're fucked. (laughs) Um, and the first thing that happens is they bring in a dog and 
the dog just starts running at them and everyone kind of just scatters. But one of the bandmates who is played by Callum Turner, and his name is Tiger in the film, um, (laughs) he just kind of freezes, which is like me. Um, (laughs) And he just immediately like the dog just like gets him right in the neck and you just like see the dog like chomping on his neck for like an extended period of time. And it's horrifying and sad because it's kind of like – so then the other guy who's the fight or flight guy, Reese, is like fucking out of here. And he gets out a window and he just literally immediately when he gets outside the window is just stabbed like a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. And it's just like two of the characters just dead in like two minutes. Well, and the most like I think awful thing about that is like they're not completely dead or not all of them. Because Darcy right. wants to make sure that their time of death is as late as possible to make sure their eventual cover up that is kind of slowly revealed to everybody uh, makes the most sense, which is so disturbing. Um, yeah. What did you, I mean, I know you knew about the dogs and the necks beforehand. And I think it's yeah. probably good that you did because I know you mentioned that like that stuff yeah. like bugs you. Like, how did you do with that? Are you, like, um, <laughs> i think that like it was good that i i knew it before i went into it i think a lot of times with that stuff it's just thinking about how it's not real helps (laughs) but um thinking about how did they do that (laughs) well and kind of going back to like i'd say this scene and the other times people get attacked by these dogs is is the goriest it gets you know from the rest of the movie there it's like right it's you know gunshots and stuff like that but uh right. nothing as intense as I've, i i'd say that scene in the arm scene and we were kind of yeah. talking a little bit before on like we're okay with this kind of thing when it makes sense for the movie and, it, and at right. least from my opinion like, i think it did i thought it did yeah i think like yeah it like helped so much with like the dread and like absolute fear that everybody was feeling in this the stakes were very high. Yes. Yeah. And uh, like I think of other horror movies, you know, like even ones I love like Halloween and stuff like that. It's like there's this like, you know, like slasher movies where there's a lot of blood and stuff like that. But there's there's the, you know, really dramatic scream and the running and then the turnaround to like someone being like very heroic and like taking down like the bad guy and all these other bad guys and there's something so yeah you have the fear and like the stupidity of like the people in a horror movie but there's like a turnaround especially for the main character like and there is a turnaround in this movie as well but it isn't done in the same way where it's like when they're scared and they're like when pat and these other people are basically like crying as they realize the situation they're in before they run out there like i'm like that is that's how i would be like i probably wouldn't even have the courage to run out there but like it was horrible like they did so well with not making like it wasn't entertaining to watch how like in distress these people no. were like it was so real mm-hmm. and i think that um, like paired with that those like really intense gory scenes is what makes this movie work so well yeah so basically sam runs off in another direction and just a chainsaw just comes through the door like or like through a wall or something towards her 
And I was literally like, this feels like a haunted house. Like everywhere they turn, there's some sort of horror. Like there's a dog. Or if you jump out this window, you'll be stabbed. Or if you go over here, there's a chainsaw coming through the wall. I was like, I was like, really felt like it was a haunted house. <laughs> well, and Sam has the great idea to, you know, take the fire extinguisher. And right. Really uses that through the rest of the film. It's another thing is like, yeah, these people don't even know how to use guns. They end up using random stuff like a box cutter and a um, right. fire extinguisher. Uh a light <laughs> yep like a yep, yep. Light, just gotta know. do what you gotta do um so basically sam amber and pat are left and they go back into the room so then two other guys come in and one of the guys is daniel and daniel is the guy who was planning on leaving and he finds out that emily is the one who was killed and so then he's like well the gig is up <laughs> like obviously they killed her because we were gonna leave and so he like tells the other guy to go that, now they know that daniel was gonna leave too because darcy um again played by patrick stewart sends him in there and daniel doesn't come back out but the other guy does he's like yeah daniel kind of just hung out there and talked to them like <laughs> and then he like told me to leave so i just like, like left fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so he's like yeah we're gonna like escape and like i know how i know something that you don't and like I can help you. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This is going to be like one of the like parts of the movies where like this guy shows him how to get out or whatever. And then just bam, he gets shot in the face and he's dead. He's out of the movie so quickly. It's like, oh, <laughs> so quickly. okay then. And they, they take out a couple more people. Um, as okay. How they kill this back. guy, That how they kill him is like exactly what would happen to like us. Like if we had to kill someone and and like we didn't we don't kill people and we don't know how to do that and we don't take pleasure in it. Like when Pat just like he just like hits him with the like, like the, okay. huge, <laughs> the huge knife, he just like hits him and he's like, Oh shit, like shit, like I actually did like I actually killed him. Yeah. I it's just so really realistic, I thought. Um and it was it in this scene here that we also we lose Sam, right? Um Sam runs okay, so then with the shotgun they're and all she, like, well, let's go. Dog. Yeah. Yeah. So she gets it's another dog to the neck situation. But I feel yeah. like we just didn't we didn't see as much of it. Um, and she gets just like taken out really fast. And I, I was kind of surprised because she's probably like one of the more famous people in the movie, I guess, to me. And I thought that she was gonna last longer. Right. Um, and it was I was bummed because I liked her character too. And then so basically it's just Pat and Amber left. And they go back into the room and they lock the door and they put the couch in front of the door. And Amber asks Pat to finish a story that he'd been telling earlier. About paintball. And I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the whole kind of thing was like, oh, I was at we were playing paintball with some friends and um they were playing a bunch of bunch a bu- against a bunch of Iraq war vets and they were just getting destroyed and one of his friends just decided to like run out there and just act like really crazy and run around like shooting everybody with no fear basically and like <laughs> yeah. it's so um i think it loops back to that idea of like man these people really have no idea what they're doing and there's no turnaround to them like actually knowing what they're doing but like it's i mean it isn't really that good of a pep talk right like it's like <laughs> No. It's just like a story. Like he's like, and yeah. the, that's like as close he can get to relating is this like is a paintball situation, yeah. right? Um, but it is kind of like this moment where they're where he says like, um, we don't know war. Um, we can pretend, but we don't know. And um, yeah, Amber says, well, let's pretend, and then it kind of cuts away. But oh, 
So this is when the movies, I would say when he tells that story, like the, the movie kind of shifts and you get like a quiet moment where you can just kind of take in what he's saying and then like it kind of shifts to like you feel like those characters are more empowered after that and they are kind of just like fuck it like let's go all out so darcy keeps sending his minions in there and um two of the minions go in and all of a sudden it's just a uh, pat standing over a hole that they smashed in the floor you know at the beginning of the movie and the guy says like who the fuck are you or something along those lines <laughs> And he turns around and he says, I am Odin himself. Uh, and he has a, like, he, they had taken a Sharpie and just drawn, like, patches of black, like, over his face. all like in, And they like, shaved war his paint, hair. Basically, and shaved all his hair off. He has a machete in his hand. And he just starts, like, hammering on stuff. He jumps down the hole and, like, hides away. Um, and as these guys are distracted by that and one of them jumps into the hole, the other one kind of watches from above, Amber sneaks out from underneath a couch cushion and basically takes this guy out that's kind of standing above this hole um the, Shit is then terrifying. you know a lot of stuff goes back and forth but uh basically um pat and amber are able to take out the other guy as well um yeah uh in and such from a smart there, way it's these two guys were attacking him and this this other guy that's been around the whole movie and is definitely in way over his head is basically the cleanup guy he's like He's been like taking the like dead bodies away. He's like literally just standing out there, like washing like the walls and like the floor. Yep. And these two people mm-hmm. come out after like killing these others that were the the two main characters, Pat and Amber, come out after killing these other Nazis. And this guy's like, uh, like I had no idea, and like I should go to jail. Um, he's still an. Or he's awful like, person. I don't want to like, go. To there's j- no says, I don't want to go to jail. No, he says I want to go. I should go to jail. Is what he oh, says. I thought he said, I don't want to go to jail. No, he says, like, I should be in jail right now. <laughs> really? Like, he's going to turn himself in. Yeah, he's so horrified That's by crazy. what he's done. Um, and so he helps them out. They all walk, they walk into the woods, and then all of a sudden they hear gunshots. Um, uh, Pat and Amber, both kind of so uh, deep in what they've kind of become, or not really become, but what they've mm-hmm. had to go through. Um Yeah. But uh, they say, like, we have to finish this. Like, they, they go over and they need to figure out what happened to their friends and see who's left of this, like, crew. And it's yeah. uh, it's Darcy uh, and a couple others, other of the higher-ups there. Um, and they go and basically, you know, uh, point their guns at them and say, like, hey, we're still alive. Like, fuck you guys. Um, and this is yeah. kind of the last th- scene here. Yeah, I thought it was. So the dog gets away from the two guys that they killed. And the dog is just kind of like walking down the road alone and it keeps cutting to the dog walking. And then, yeah, well, I guess that's after we'll talk about that. But um, they like basically, they basically find the other bandmates like strategically placed and they find that they're trying to make it look like they trespassed onto the property and that they were killed by the dogs and like basically it was like self-defense because they trespassed right Right, and um yep exactly and they have the van there and they have um they have another car there with the tube and cloth that uh they use to siphon gas from other cars so if you think right. about that right at the beginning of the movie um um pat and sam both siphoned gas out of a random car so they could get gas to keep moving so the uh 
uh, Darcy and the neo-Nazis were basically setting this up to look like they were on someone else's property. Um, they were siphoning gas illegally, and these dogs attacked them. Um, I think that was the idea, right? right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, this is it. There's only three guys left. And and Pat is like, you're, you're doing it wrong. This is like a sloppy, like, job. Like, you're, you're not even, like, <laughs> siphoning gas correctly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I love these moments where, like, people are just like, you're, you're dumb. Like, all of you are so <laughs> dumb. You know, like, you think you're all that, but you are dumb. <laughs> Yeah, and then Amber, like, shoots one of the guys because I think he tries to pull out a gun or something. And Pat's like, whoa, dude, I thought we – what are you doing? Like, I thought we were just messing up their, like, fake crime scene. And she was like, we're creating our own. We're creating one. I was like – I loved when Pat was like, And she's, like, like, so hunched over and, like (laughs) – He's like, dude, I didn't know we were, like, doing that. And she's like, yeah, we are. He's like, Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then they start shooting Darcy, and he he gets off one shot, but it doesn't hit either of them. Right. And, and uh, I want to say, like, right before they shoot Darcy, they've got him and um, the dog owner next to each other, basically the two higher-ups here, you know? Um, I'd assume the dog owner was also the other guy that was most in charge of the heroin operation as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, Pat looks at uh, Darcy, um, and I think this is this just goes to show like how amazing of an actor Anton Yelchin is, as well as Patrick Stewart. Like just seeing these two interact was amazing through the whole movie. But uh, him saying um, you were so scary at night. Uh, that's all he says. He just says that, but he says it in a yeah. way that's like almost like relief and like like this moment of just like you're you're pathetic. Look look at where you are right now. Like and they're they're just sitting there, like standing there. Patrick Stewart, his arms at his side, like. He can't he can't do anything. He's so helpless in this situation. And he looks like nothing now. And like it was mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought it was so well done in that moment with like everything Pat went through. Um I don't know. Like if there's anything with this movie that stuck with me, like I could still remember that line when I was like and I was like yeah. looking forward to it through through the whole movie. And then like you said, mm-hmm. uh Darcy just like tries to casually walk away and like pull out his gun, but they take him out before then along with his friend. Yeah. And the thing with the dog is the dog walks by them later and they're both like pointing their guns at the dog and the dog just like walks by them and just like lays his head on his owner's like dead body. And I thought that was really important because since the dogs had been some of had been doing some of the the murdering, it was like important context to be like the dog isn't murderous. It's like just doing what it's told to do. Like it's just loyal to its owner, right? And I think that's how kinda, I took it, at least. Yeah, I agree, and I think it does kind of loop back to that concept. And I don't think it is like everybody is wrong here. Everybody like deserves some kind of retribution, jail time, you know, like any of that stuff for like for you know being a part of this group. Um, but there is this idea that kind of goes through the whole movie of these people that are following Darcy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like and Darcy's like ease of manipulating the people around him um and being this like charismatic leader that people follow for like really really awful reasons um um with the dog I think maybe there was a connection there but at the same time like every single person involved at that bar knew what they were doing and they're awful people because of it whereas the dogs are dogs (laughs) yeah 
Um, and then the last the last set of dialogue is um, so Pat says, "I know what it is, like my desert island band." And Amber says, "Tell someone who gives a shit." <laughs> And that's it. That's the ending. Credits roll. And the movie it's just so ends. good. Man, I love that. <laughs> uh, and I, I watched that and I just went, Adam loved that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I loved it. She was such a cool character. I wanted to know his I I wanted to know his Desert Island fan. Yes. <laughs> she I'm glad we did though. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that is just such a fantastic ending and man, I don't know what a solid movie. Like it's so original and it's so like, it really is. it's so intense, but like has such great one-liners from Amber, but a lot of people like, or the story with like the paintball, there's like something really tacky about it, but for some reason it just works super well. I know it does. Um, okay. the other thing I wanted to note was like, um, when, pad is walking on the scene that darcy has set up for his friends in the murder scene you know pat says like this is a nightmare and like darcy has the gall in this situation to say for us all you know and like and amber's <laughs> like can we please like that be the last word this guy says like so darcy like even at the very end here is so like I don't know he's so like messed up in how he thinks and that he still feels like uh wow this is a really bad situation for me like it this sucks so that i'm in this yeah it's so inconvenient for me and it just goes to show how awful of a person he is and again like mm-hmm. everybody is so awful in this um all these people at this bar but like this darcy is just like i don't know like it's so hard to i think they did such a great job with this villain here of just like I think you like understand like he he I'm trying to like figure out why he works so well as just such an awful villain I think it's because like you realize how evil he truly is and it is like an evil that actually exists which is so scary Mm -hmm. it's terrifying so that is green room (laughs) now that we've talked about it for what should be one entire episode (laughs) let's take a break and when we come back we'll talk about two weeks notice all right we are back and we are going to talk about two weeks notice adam give us the details sure thing uh, so Two Weeks Notice came out in 2002, um, uh, written and directed by Mark Lawrence and starring Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock. Uh, the story follows Sandra Bullock right from the start, who's protesting a construction company that's knocking down a lot of buildings in New York. Um, she tries to um, basically talk to the owner of this company, Hugh Grant, um, whose character is George Wade, Sandra Bullock. His character is Lucy Kelson. Um, Lucy talks to George about trying to not knock down a community center in her area and really, like, try to be a better person, basically. Um, 
Mm-hmm. George Wade's all of a sudden is like, well, how about you just come work for me? And and uh, although Lucy really has a much different idea in terms of what's ethically correct and what she should do, she thinks, well, if I work for him, like I can point them in the right direction and work on a lot of pro bono right. work. She's a lawyer from Harvard. Um, and from yeah. there, it goes into uh, a romantic comedy, you know, like they 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 have a relationship they go through a lot of trouble and um they have a work relationship that lasts a year very quickly um and things kind of go from there and um generally how do you how you would expect uh as you could expect they end up together in the end but um it it was an interesting movie it was a movie <laughs> from 2002 is what i'll say uh, <laughs> but um I just watched this uh, yesterday, and I'm glad I had some time to like think it over. Uh, but can I can I get some history for you in this movie? I yeah. know I know you had seen this in the past. So this is like it's funny to say this, but it feels like to me it's like a childhood movie for me. Like I watched it all the time when I was younger, and like it's there's a few movies in my family that will just like randomly quote, and this is one of them. So when you uh when you rewatched this movie, it had been a long time since you'd seen it before, or do you kind of revisit this a good amount? It had been quite some time. Um, I gotta say, like most for me, like the humor has has aged well. Like the the funny moments in it, like I still find them hilarious. Obviously, there are aspects of it that did not age well, as with most romantic comedies. Um, And for this movie specifically, um, obviously, the way that George treats his female employees who are underneath him, um, there's a power dynamic there, (laughs) um, is really inappropriate and very, like, taking advantage of the power that you have. That was rough. <laughs> <laughs> he only hires female lawyers because he basically sleeps with all of them. And like like his brother suggests hiring a man and he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> he won't do it. Yep. And he hires these lawyers you know, like Lucy is a Harvard grad, very good at her job, and she spends a year picking out his clothing. And they set this movie up like she like likes this and she's so she's like, I'm so good at my job. It's like you are a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> what is happening here? She definitely acknowledges that she changed she's changed in a bad way and that's why she wants to quit. Um but I, I love that scene where she he calls her in the middle of the night, which, first of all, is just so inappropriate. So Like, there are literally no lines that he does not cross. And he calls her and he's like, I don't even remember what he asks her. He's like, should I bring – or, like, he's like, I want to bring – does he say, like, I want to bring this girl home and, like, should I do it or something? I think he's, like, saying that subtly, but in reality, he just kind of says, like, uh, hey, I'm out with this girl. And she's like, okay, let me talk to the girl. She's like, get the fuck away from this guy. He's a freak. (laughs) I love, I I wish that, like, I love that speech she gives her. She's like, um, she, like, makes a joke that she, like, has to go home because she has, like, school in the morning. (laughs) She's a high schooler. And, like, says all these, she's like, he's still married. 
and he's like about to be divorced and like he has a, a rash and like a questionable rash and like she just tells her everything that's bad about him and then the girl just like clears out it's super interesting it's like this is in the middle of basically they do this really huge time lapse so after sandra bullock takes the job it's like a couple clips you know one month in three months in six months right. in, a year in yeah um mm-hmm and I don't know, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. so this is like after they like really know each other. Right. It was an interesting way to to do a, a film like this where it was like they met each other and then you kind of fast forward like she's been working for him for a year. And then a lot of the bulk of the movie it takes place in her last two weeks working for him. Right. Which I actually thought was a really interesting way to do it. And I was like, oh, two weeks notice. That's the name of the film. <laughs> I was actually thinking about saying that. One thing in my notes was I cannot believe she left her best friend's wedding. That's she was the up. maid of honor. Right. <laughs> she was the maid of honor. And she gets a phone call and it's from her boss and it says like like 911 emergency, like you have to come over or something. And she literally leaves in the middle of her best friend's wedding. She's the maid of honor. I'm I think like it really has not set in how crazy it is until I'm seeing it now. Like when I was younger, it didn't seem that crazy. And seeing it now, I was just like, I it's would never so speak to un- her again. So unrealistic. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't matter. It's like, I guess, unrealistic, like in a movie or even like a rom com isn't that big of a deal. Where, where this, I was just be like, yeah, I would never speak to her again. She was a bad friend. Like, who would ever do this? <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> Especially, like, okay. I get like, she's like supposed to be this person who gives like a thousand percent in her job, but it's like, yeah. I don't know. That's too far. It's a step too far. <laughs> Um, so there's this there's this scene between George and his driver, and I just really liked what the driver said. He said, "All men are pawns when it comes to women," <laughs> and he they basically just have this like discussion that like men are just pawns and women can do whatever they want, like get them to do whatever they want, <laughs> and then and then he's like he's like, except when I get home, I know my mother will have dinner on the table. <laughs> he's like. Oh, so you, so you still live with your mom? And he's like, yeah, of course, of course. Right. Well, he's like, it's really, it was kind of weird, that conversation where they're like playing chess and they're like comparing women to chess and stuff. And like, this is for me, I was like, I don't like, what are you saying here? Like, it's like, I get that they were like, oh, like this guy doesn't have the right idea. And somehow Hugh Grant does. And like, but I was like, I don't know. That weirded me out. I clearly thought it was funny. I thought a lot of the points that were supposed to be funny in this movie it did not land for me <laughs> so, okay please please elaborate i don't know i just like i i i didn't really feel the chemistry between lucy and george or sandra Bullock. oh my god i disagree i i just like i didn't think it was there and maybe i think that this movie uh if it didn't have hugh grant you'd be like why is this douchebag even in this movie who cares like like this this sucks like <laughs> lucy deserves better and there's no romance here and but you have hugh grant in the movie and he is just this beautiful man with the most beautiful smile and <laughs> <laughs> i i just like i'm like i can't believe how awful george wade is as a person and he's really? never redeemed even until the end oh yeah no i don't feel that way it's weird because I don't think I'm like blinded by his beauty because <laughs> well, I don't. I I, well, of course, but 
I'm not like, oh my God, he's so attractive. Like I'll just not see any of his faults. Like I think I'm just like, I love Sandra Bullock so much and I'm so charmed by her. And I think like watching their dynamic, like you can just feel how close they are and you see that they have such an ease with each other. And like there's a scene where they go to lunch and like literally like immediately their food gets there and he just starts taking everything off her plate that he knows she doesn't want. And she takes everything off his plate that she knows he doesn't want. And you just like they don't even realize how much they're like already being like a couple. (laughs) And I feel like that like moment wasn't deserved and it felt forced. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I don't agree, but that's fine. I was going to say, okay, I love the scene on the boat where she gets drunk because she's scared of boats. And she's like, I am, she's basically bragging about like her sexual prowess. And it's so funny because she's doing all this while she's wearing a life jacket. And she's so drunk. And she's like, I'm bendy like a pretzel. (laughs) And then she basically just like passes out. And then he has to like take her home. and. She just, like, snores horribly, which is great and relatable. Um, You're not saying anything. Uh, I, I was just listening. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that scene. I liked, like, the bendy, like, a pretzel and stuff that was funny. <laughs> I just, like, I couldn't get over, like, the dynamic. And maybe it's just that it's 2020, and I'm like, this Mr. Hugh Ground, George Wade, like, this is inappropriate, okay? Like... <laughs> And everything about this is not okay. And I was just like, I, I maybe I just couldn't get past that. I was like, this is like, I got frustrated with this scene where it's like, oh, like Sandra Bullock's just wasted and Hugh Grant's this good guy who's like, who's just like helping her out. But every other woman he's just like hiring and wanting to sleep with right away. Like, are we just like forgetting all of that happened? I just like couldn't, I was just like, this guy's a douche. <laughs> I don't even know how to talk to you about this anymore (laughs) because I feel like I'm like getting so much joy from it and you're just like, no. (laughs) I know I I walked into this movie like, I don't want to hate on this too much, but I did not like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to like it. I love it. I, and I, I watched it with Cassie and she really liked it. She thought the chemistry was there and everything. So maybe it was just me, but I was just like. I don't know like I even like that first scene when they're in like the cab together and like he's like oh you should work for me and she's like oh what do you think you're gonna get like sex for it well I've never had sex with you and and he's like well that'd be nice it's like all of it is just like even from the get-go I'm like that'd be nice but no yeah like for I didn't find that I don't know I just like I wasn't bought into any of that besides Hugh Grant's smile oh boy (laughs) Um, I love his speech at the end. He, so she quits, obviously, and so basically he promises her that he won't knock down the community center, but then his brother, who's, like, more in charge of the company than him, is like, we have to knock it down. We're going to make more money if we do that, and we have to make money off of this. And so basically he goes back on his word, and she finds out about it, and she gets pissed and... She was already ended like, you know, going to be leaving. So basically they leave on bad terms. And he ends up coming to where she works at legal aid and he like tells her the speech that he read at like the unveiling ceremony for this building that they were building. 
And it's like this really cute speech about how they're not going to knock down the community center because he promised her that he wouldn't and he follows through on his promises and just like how he how she changed him and it's just like a really sweet speech and then basically he leaves and then (laughs) they're like are you not gonna go after him because I would and I don't even like him (laughs) and then she goes after him and they kiss and this cute song plays and it's great I thought this speech was really bad (laughs) (laughs) I hate you (laughs) okay so like let's look at the speech here so like this is like his like redeeming moment and he says like basically like the speech is well like i was gonna knock down the community center and like yeah it's got really great stuff and maybe that's why i kept it but mostly it's just because like you and you didn't like it that i was gonna knock it down so i'm not gonna knock it down but it's like (laughs) it's one community center like i get it it's like the like the that one that's like that's the that's the center of this movie in a way but like one He's only keeping it because he likes her, okay? Like, and it's great that he's throwing away his fortune and all that for her. But it is just one, it's like, it's that's the only reason. It's not like he really cares about the people doing, like, yoga or whatever at this community center. And two, <laughs> that doesn't change the fact that he's knocking down the rest of these properties in New York. And, like, destroying, like, half a, like, huge portions of New York. And, like, not doing anything about that. And not only that, but Lucy, who is supposed to be this, like, ethically minded person, worked for him for a year and was totally okay with all of that besides the community center. Like, I know she, like, donated to stuff and whatnot because of him, but, or because, like, she worked there. But, like, it's not, like, from the beginning to the end, George ever changed his ideas of what was right and wrong in terms of knocking down certain, like, certain portions of like new york or communities and stuff he's like well i won't knock this down because i guess lucy got mad at me (laughs) (laughs) and that's what the speech was to me i was like okay like i don't think at any point george grew as a character from start to end even like the end credits scene was him talking about how poor she was (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) so funny um but Okay, so I'm going to just ignore everything you said and talk about something else. Um, <laughs> so I feel like one of the essential questions of the film, which I wrote this before I watched it, and afterwards I kind of felt like it wasn't that important to them that they explore this, which is kind of disappointing. But I feel like something that it made me think about was, can you do more good from inside a corrupt system or should you stay on the outside of it? And will that, you know, which one is more impactful? And I feel like in the end, the clear answer is you can't fix something from the inside. Like she was not able to like really do any anything from the inside and that she can do a lot more f- working from the outside of it. Um, did you think about that at all? Yeah, because like at least for Lucy's character, but it still just bums me out so much that it's not like she ever like. And maybe it's this idea of like, oh, George will change in the long run and he's not working at. That was another idea that I want to talk about. But yeah, I, I feel like that, that kind of idea was so sidelined from like, oh, like, I don't know. Anything that was like really strong about Lucy's character was totally sidelined by her like jealousy for this new, like the new person that was taking her job and stuff like that. That just like, Mm -hmm. it didn't sit right with me at any point. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the film asked, I think a big question that the film did ask and did address was, can someone change? And like, there's a scene with her dad and her dad is like, you know, I hate this, like this, like tofu sponge cake I'm eating, but I'm eating it because I've changed and I've changed my habits. And basically the movie is saying, yes, people can change because George Wade changed and he gave up his fortune for her. And what do you think about that? I like literally called out that scene with the sponge cake. I was like, I hate this. (laughs) 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 So you can't compare like a, like a sponge cake and like tofu sponge cake to like this guy who's like, tearing down communities across new york like there are two totally i wish i was things. drinking wine i wish this wasn't water <laughs> i like <laughs> and like if we if we do look at it because i think that was what the movie was trying to get at but i just don't think it worked at all because even in that last scene when uh sandra bullock lucy um runs out to meet george after he gave that amazing speech um she runs up to him and says like i know i can be like so stubborn and like this and that like but i'm ready to change and like i'm ready to do this and that like like i know where i have my flaws and this and that and he's like i love you and that's it it's like well what about like george george saying like hey look i'm sorry for all the shitty things i've done not once does he mention like that he was this like womanizer and like this person who was like taking on like employees because he found them attractive or like yeah okay like him in that um I I can't remember her name um the new the employee who took um, Lucy's position well anyways those redhead. two yeah okay they didn't sleep together or this or that but it's like they made out in an elevator they played strip chess okay like and who <laughs> recommends strip chess okay maybe I just live a different life but like strip God, chess that really is the worst. <laughs> Right, and that's that's the thing that frustrates you so much. It's like they constantly move this blame to other people, like that character's the worst, or um, Lucy in some ways feels like she's too stubborn or this or that when like they don't expect any real change or like make Hugh Grant in any really meaningful way. Like say like, oh wait, I'm a shitty person. Like even till the very end, the last scene is him just still making fun of like the fact that he's rich and other people are poor. And I was like, what is this? Like, <laughs> that's why I feel like they surf on like Hugh Grant's like genuine charm <laughs> in a way that makes you like at least like veer away. Cause there were points where I'm like, oh, that was really fun, Hugh Grant, or you're so funny and goofy. And then I'm like, wait, wait, I'm going to take a step back here. You suck. <laughs> I think I don't just recommend that you just ride that wave of charm. <laughs> Just enjoy yourself and stop ruining my fun. I'm sorry. <laughs> like the floodgates are open. <laughs> well, I feel like this discussion is over. There were a couple other scenes I wanted to like. Uh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Check on. I, <laughs> I thought uh, the bathroom scene was really weird with like her get her earring getting caught in his crotch. I was like, oh, it was really that. uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> and like it felt like a like a cheap grab like oh okay like goofy it looks like oral sex (laughs) yeah 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 i love when that in that scene beforehand when she's trying to lose her job because she hates it so much and george won't let her leave which honestly is insane like that part of it was one of the other parts where i was like oh like that this is messed up really fucked up like 
Um, I did enjoy when she was like trying to like get fired. And oh my God. She like had so. the gum and she's like, oh, these are good looking boys. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's Polly. Like, <laughs> like whatever. Like, that's a girl. <laughs> and then she gets <laughs> which one is the girl wrong. <laughs> so great. Um, I, I, I did like her parents overall. Um, and like there were points where I guess, you know, I said like a lot of the movie, I didn't feel the chemistry, but like there were like the main points, like like when she came in in that beautiful dress and they like saw each other, like I thought that was great. And I thought that would like worked really well. Laura um, Jones is singing in the background. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, I think there were moments like when they were in a helicopter, like that was a really nice scene. And mm-hmm. um, and like you said, like we talked about the trailer scene and I thought that was really funny. And like, like it was kind of <laughs> endearing that, you know, like Hugh Grant is ru- running around with her and stuff like that. And <laughs> Um, so like i guess maybe maybe there was more chemistry there than like than i'm like letting on because i i think after a little bit in the movie i was like like down on it and frustrated with it from some points but i don't like it's not like i hated every moment of it i just like i think like some of the overarching like like i don't know decisions the characters made and just who the characters were really bothered me um (laughs) and i thought some of those yeah i don't know like but <laughs> um no, i do wanna I, I do want it, another reason that totally rubbed me the wrong way and i really want to talk about it but like like get trump out of here like what is he doing in this movie i okay. was like I, I i heard his name at the beginning and i was like well he does do these cameos in this movie and i was like right. oh of course of course he's in this like i know and he's like just even like the subject matter they're talking about i'm like what is this Ugh. i know that whenever like he has it in contracts that if you use one of his buildings for your movie he has to be in it so i'm wondering if maybe they used a building of his and then because of that he had to make the cameo because i know that's well, like, like it did. is it's 2002 you know like this is like apprentice yeah. time like this is that like this yeah. obviously you know, way before presidency and that kind of stuff but it's like yeah Oh, what a damper. <laughs> I know. It's so gross. It's like, why can't you just leave me alone? Get out of my life. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I The movie wasn't for me, especially like, you know, we watched a couple rom-coms and talked about some other ones. Um, and I think it was like in the end, the one thing that just like turned me off so much of this movie was like the, like the workplace dynamic and, you know when yeah. when uh when Lucy's leaving and she's like, "Hey, if you want to be good at this job, like you have to be able to work eighteen hour days and stuff like that." I'm like, "Yeah, that's really unhealthy." And I guess she knows it because she doesn't want to work for him again. Yeah. But at the same time, that yeah. like George ever put her in that situation in the first place, or like, and again, this is in this is 2002, and like this is America where like people kind of look at like work and work ethic oddly at right. times, where it's like. Yeah. She sees that as a sense of pride and like all it's just like all of it felt so like unhealthy in like a real way in like yeah. 2020 where I'm like, oh my gosh. But obviously I think a lot of that is just like the time of the movie. Yeah, um, this I, I really don't this movie would not be made today. Or just made differently. I don't know. Yeah. I mean it just wouldn't have been with him having relationships with everyone below him. It just, like, wouldn't happen. Maybe if... Yeah, because he has all the power and in that situation. And we we now know, I think, more as a culture that that's problematic than we did definitely in 2002, even, like, a few years ago. 
So I think that we should move on to what we're watching this week. Let's do it. Um, and I think that you should go first. So I, I am with the rest of the world right now, or rest of America, at least according to Netflix, and watching The Tiger King. <laughs> um, I'm, only, I'm only two episodes in, um, and I'm already amazed already. Um, <laughs> it is incredible. And from what I've heard, it just gets, it gets crazier every single episode. Um, <laughs> these movies... Yep. Have you watched the whole thing then? or Yeah, I basically binged the whole thing on Saturday. I had watched a couple before that, but Carmen and I just kind of plopped on the couch. <laughs> just kind of couldn't stop for several hours. Yeah, so I'm, I'm probably going to watch the rest this weekend, and I'm really enjoying it. Like, it's like, it is just unbelievable. Um but you know, I think Truly. everybody knows about it, and I'm, I'm. <laughs> it's hard for me to talk about it much because I'm sure there's so much I don't know. Only being two episodes yeah. in, we'll have to talk about it more next time because it's definitely something I want to talk to you about. <laughs> but I don't know how to talk to you yet because I don't know what you do and don't know. Sure, um, and honestly, that besides that, I don't really have a ton of uh, like TV or stuff I'm watching. I've been re-listening to. Uh, the audiobooks of Harry Potter, which has been really fun, kind of relaxing. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny, actually. I was listening or I was watching Green Room using, uh, I was watching on the TV, but I was using my phone and I connected headphones to my phone. And at one point I clicked play and without me realizing it, instead of the Green Room playing, Harry Potter started playing. And I was like <laughs> so confused for like five seconds where I was like, why are they talking about ghosts and stuff? Like, <laughs> it's like didn't connect it right away. Um, so. That's kind of what I've been doing, and then I'll listen to Harry Potter and play Animal Crossing, which is the most relaxing video game ever if anybody has a Nintendo Switch. So those are my, my yeah. recommendations, uh, Harry Potter paired with Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. I want a Switch now that I'm trapped inside all the time because I want to play Animal Crossing and Mario Kart and that one game that you had us play where like you're trying to get around thing yeah heave ho long arm yeah what's it called heave ho heave ho it is a good time for nintendo switch i'd say uh yeah i feel like i've been leaning on a lot of like more relaxing television we talked last time about that's what we were watching reality television and now i'm just like ah like really want to do stuff where i don't have to think for a while um i'm looking at a couple new shows to get into like i'm interested in devs uh on hulu and a couple others but what what are your recommendations i don't have that much more to report except for that i started watching peaky blinders Ooh, nice and i've never seen it before and i feel like a lot of people are are like have you seen it and i'm like no and they're like it's really good but i just like never watched it and i just have seen the first episode i'm pretty excited about that i just feel like i hear about it a lot i watched the first season or I think the first season I really liked it. I don't I didn't pick it back up for whatever reason, but Sure. I enjoyed it. Um one of the guys in it was in Green Room and it like really threw me off because he looked so different. But I was like, <laughs> he looks so familiar. And I was like, I knew it, he was in the green room. Yeah, I think I just continued to watch um Married at First Sight, obviously. <laughs> um <laughs> and then just started that new one. So I hope that 
when you finish Tiger King, we can discuss that further. Yeah, yeah let's let's <laughs> let's talk through it uh, once once I finish that up. We have for sure gone over our time. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed the episode, and we will hopefully see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>